Well, everybody, what's the crack? And welcome back to episode number 26, I think, of the Inline G Flute Podcast with me, your host, motherfucking Inline G. Now, as you guys can see, we are not in the Inline G studio. We are in my grandmother's kitchen today because I've just finished recording an episode with my grandmother and my grandfather, primarily my grandfather. For this very special episode, as I am home for Christmas, I haven't pre-recorded an episode, so this is going to be edited and thrown out in the next hour. So I'm very sorry, but I get used an episode every week. I'm very good to use. So why have I got my grandparents on the episode? Well, my grandfather, Brian Houston, was my first ever flute teacher. He has also played in flute bands his entire life. The Houstons are a bit of a well-known name in the flute band tradition of Northern Ireland, all because of him. He started it all. So... Today I asked him, we sat down, we had a couple of coffees and we chatted about all things flute bands. So I'm going to let you guys loose on that interview. I'm going to give you two things to say first. Number one, the accent is quite strong and my accent starts to slip back to my natural accent as I'm back home in Northern Ireland. So I really hope you guys understand. Do your best. I genuinely considered putting subtitles on the YouTube one but cannot be arsed. That's way too much work. And the second thing before I let you loose the usual housekeeping okay um this is an independent podcast it's run entirely by myself i do all the editing all the graphic design marketing audio and video everything it's entirely done by myself um it is a free podcast it will always be free i will never introduce any kind of subscription service where you can pay for more content however if you wish to donate to the podcast it is incredibly donated incredibly donated incredibly appreciated you can find it uh the link in the description of wherever you're listening or watching to this or if you head over to my instagram page and click on that you can go and donate me something i would recommend whatever the price of a pint or a dr pepper costs in your country say once a month maximum and that just keeps the podcast running it allows me to turn down a little bit of work here and there to concentrate more time in this podcast it's incredibly appreciated if you can if you can't it's grand you can listen for free now i'm going to stop talking the first 10 minutes of this podcast with my grandmother as well because she insisted on being on it um her hair she's wearing a hat because her hairdresser isn't here yet so please excuse that but that's what you can hear right now is she's getting her hair done next door and then after that it'll be with my grandfather flute band legend brian houston yeah i don't know why we've got you on but you're in it now <laughs> you look like your man out of home alone you look like marv out of home alone <laughs> do you want to tell everyone why you're wearing a hat why wearing a hat? Well, the only reason I'm wearing a hat is because I don't want anybody to, ch- uh, you know, my curls and things, uh, and my hairdresser hasn't turned up. Because sorry, you've got a private hairdresser that comes every yes, Friday. Yes, I'm a makeup artist. Yeah, actually, do you have a hairdresser coming in? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah, she might yeah. knock us door in a minute, and then she could do all three I, of us. I've always hung on, come to the ace. Do you still get your hair cut with her? Does she do your hair? Yeah, still? I get my hair done with same hair cutter. Uh. How much stick to hard you? Five pounds. <laughs> five pounds too much. That's for the tip. Is your child type of fiver? Really? Uh, What's Daylight robbery. That's for the four hers. Right, do you want to tell everyone about your mugs here? Nothing. Your two mugs? Well, Who got you them, first of all? Who got you them? They're very my, lovely. My grandson bought us these here for Christmas. Yeah, oh why? Uh, it's, the one, the it's the cursing grandson. I love one. I'm an and, uh, and what does I'm very proud of them. So I'm yours says number one fan. What does yours say? Uh, oh, on the other side. Number, number two. Number two what? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, number two effing fan. I can't see what it says. <laughs> says number two effing fan. But it, it doesn't say the actual word. It says effing. Don't you look all shocked? I give it to you on Christmas Day. I know, but I you can't had a few see. Baileys in you at that point. Now to be fair to you. 
<laughs> so no, no, why did it get you then? Because you do watch the podcast every week. Every week we wouldn't listen to every single week. Every week. Yeah, I love the podcast. Do you have any favorite episodes? My favorite episode <laughs> was uh, mental health. The mental health one. I am. Music college and all that. Yeah, yeah, I really thought it was very truthful. That was your idea. Yeah, and it was very truthful. And it was for people that was going to college for to yeah. let them know what to what expect. They expect and, yeah. and not just to think they're going to go and they're going to be the odd one out. Yeah, at this point, half our family's went to music college now. Yeah. Well, me and Ross yeah. and Jacob all went. So do you have a favourite episode? Uh, Gary Shocker. Gary Shocker? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he was a good episode, to be fair. It was a big deal getting him on. You, you love that. I like that. I don't know. The problem with that episode was that was the first time we got through a whole episode without saying a swear word. Oh, oh, until, oh, oh yes. yes until the last 10 minutes. And then I was going to send a great night know, over. Uh, yeah, and then uh, I, was going to, I let I, the ball drop at the end. I was going to like that. I did like it. You have to like it. I, I said, it's going well here. He's not, he hasn't dropped any uh, odd <laughs> words. So I hit the button for like... But do you not like all my other stuff? You have to like everything. We liked every one of your podcasts. Yeah. And we've never missed one. But you have one. to actually like it. You have to make sure you click that for me. You do. Get that well, money. I don't have a phone. For if he doesn't click, it's your grandest no, You're not allowed a phone after the last time. <laughs> remember what happened with you. I know. So, any other favourite episodes? Anything else you like about the podcast? I did like, yeah. I don't know the names. I like the girl. Canadian uh, There was two Canadian girls. There was one with the pink hair and the one with the red hair. Pink. Pink, yeah. The last one? No, she the pink one was before, before actually. Last, yeah, that was Jay, and then Jill was last week. So I thought tonight, really, the two were yeah. good. Be honest, yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought, I thought the two were good, but the one before that was more interesting. Uh, well, you said the second one was a bit boring. She wasn't. No, she was a lovely wee girl. It was his favorite one. He said no. He no, commented. Was, I thought yeah. she was a lovely wee girl and very plain speaking, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, you can understand her well, to be fair. I, I thought, I really enjoyed yeah, it. I thought God help the people trying to watch this episode now. Frick, I don't know. <laughs> <what I'm laughs> <extracting> <laughs> <them> <laughs> you understand a word we're saying here? Even my accent's going back the way it was. You know, Ben hates that. Ben watches the podcast, my brother, and he says all the time, I hate the way you say how. I'm only saying how on the podcast. I don't say how. <laughs> Me, Ben. Ben hates that when he says, I, say, I hear you say how all the time. You're talking as if you're for money. Um... <laughs> What about anyone you think I should get on the podcast? Who do you think my next guest should be? Arlene Foster? Arlene Foster? <laughs> no? No, I think if you could try and get somebody on that really can play a flute, proper flute player, that you can talk to. Not your granda, no. Well, he's on. I'd say <laughs> James Galloway. Yeah. I would love you to get Jimmy James Galloway on because I, I think, don't know. Do you have a number for him? You could message him. Maybe you probably know him better than I do. I sound him with that message. Yeah. yeah. Make sure you keep talking into the microphone. Stay towards the microphone. You have to make sure you keep I, talking. I, I, yes, I, I, I sound my message. But you know, we have a family of flaws. Uh, as you know, Gareth, and you I were brought up all your life with. with, with I know, I'd love to interview the rest of the family, but I think Everybody's a lot of them have to be careful what they say. <laughs> but you're they're all over the place now. I had a, as you know your uncle, he was in the uh played a, a solo flute and all the rest of it, but you know, a very good flautist and still is. Yeah. And so it's been in the family for a long, long time. Well yeah, all your children played the flute at some point or another. Well it all started to varying degrees of success yeah. now. 
But just all were a success, and I have good children. I don't know if they were all success now. No, you, you told me. Dad, how did my dad get on with the flute? Your daddy was oh, rubbish. <laughs> Your daddy was rubbish. I think out of all of them, my dad holds the record for the least amount of time yeah, playing the flute. When I, when I took him out to Rosalind's to join, I held him with a big long bass. I know. Well, that's that, that put him off right away. It Didn't would put you off playing the bass flute, yeah. <laughs> and then Maxine, she was the other one. Maxine did all right, from what I hear. Uh, but she, she only could play the anniversary waltz. <laughs> that's, not that's, a bad only, one. that's the only thing she played. She played for about five years. Jolie was a great player. She a good flute player as well. She played in her, She played in Ballygan. Uh-huh. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> She played in Ballygan. They are. So we've all given the flute a lash. So apart from you, you haven't played the flute yet. I played me? the drum. But you've never. I am amazed that you've sat in that room hearing him teach for fifty odd years, one or more, and you've never once thought, "I give it a wee go." Because had uh, like a Tennyson in my ears. <laughs> Tennyson, Tennyson. <laughs> He's Tennyson. Tennyson. <laughs> he works in all dress. No, I've loved all the flutes. I've loved to hear everyone is playing the flute. Do you, you haven't been put off the flute for all these years? Never, in no, never, no. Because you probably heard more flute than most of us. Well, I would hear uh, your granddad one time had about 54 pupils at one time. Uh, <laughs> 54 pupils at once? Yeah. yeah. But one you, week. There was a time when you had 54 pupils a week mm. coming here? Coming oh, right, a week, yeah. yeah. 54 people yeah. a week coming in here yeah, yeah, yeah. at the very start yeah Wait, that's why I, I just loved it uh, I really loved it because you can hear it like you're sitting in there you can hear it through I just love the kids yeah. coming in and all and learning the flute mm. and I do love the flute and you had them tortured as well to be fair to them mm-hmm. <laughs> there was some of the ones that there was a couple of ones that were in my school as well that came here for lessons and a few of them were terrified of you <laughs> used to wind them right up because you used to say things like because obviously when they were going in if they were a wee bit early they'd have to wait in the hallway before they went in uh-huh. for their lesson uh-huh. and they'd see you sitting like the queen mother sure. in there sure. and then you would say things to them like here he's in a bad mood today you play tell your skills wrong he's been hitting people tell in there tell him not to go into that wee room I don't <laughs> go home you're the worst for it well yeah there's been a long tradition of flute playing in the family that's for sure um, who was the best but it's been, it's been great to see you know the family to, to me. all going forward like this and music. Well, we're all there. doing something now, yeah. And then I had young... Each generation's getting on a fair bit further, yeah. Sure, Ben was a good... Oh, ben God. was the best a lot. Ben yeah. had a lovely tone. Ben played really... Ben <coughs> was a brilliant flute player, but he just couldn't be arsed. They don't, they don't forget the aspect of uh, uh, Wee Brown, who was nearly, nearly at the stage of being a professional golfer as well. Oh, yeah, he's done everything, yeah. yeah. I've, I've, uh, my five grandchildren, I had four with played the flute, one played golf, but no, he never really took to the flute at all. But he did, was a real a good wee golfer. Yeah. But the other four grandsons, counting the cursing one that was you, uh, were all very good. Yeah, they all. And I watched. I went everywhere you went to play, and I enjoyed it. Enjoyed Which one was everything. the best? Which one was the best flute pair out of not just the grandchildren, but the the children and everybody out of the family? Who was the best flute player? I would say Glenn. Glenn or I? Oh, okay. Well, you know, present company <laughs> is included. Well, Glenn's a dandy player, like. But, but I thought he was a good player. But All right, well, for the pick out of my grandchildren, I couldn't. No, you're not oh, allowed no, to. Very similar. Because not allowed to. my grandchildren all are the same. Oh, but you can pick Glenn over me, though. <laughs> right, well. But he's uh, twice your age. Is there anything else you want to say about the podcast before we get into our own proper episode? Is it would, I'm sitting here aperitif. like a monk. <laughs> you look just like your man off Home Alone, your man Marv, when he blows the hole at the top. <laughs> but you genuinely do have your hair getting done this week. Your woman comes in and sorts it out I for you. I need more my freaking hair. I'm a nutcase. Do you know what? To be fair, this kitchen, how many times have we had rehearsals in this kitchen? 
How many times have we had like quartets in here or oh, trios oh, or? Oh my goodness! This kitchen has been the hardest first our music still, over the years. I think I, half I, of the has been in this kitchen. Still hear, I can still hear. I can still hear the row notes. Oh God! Yeah. Well, now we've got a podcast in it for the first time, so food. we've got everything in this kitchen. I'm very proud of you doing the podcast. Well, thank you very much. Very proud. Yeah. And I think everybody else should be the same. These are the biggest fans. Why well, you tune in every week? Well. I would want to cut your throat very easy sometimes oh, yeah. now. I do <laughs> get aggressive. You do get a wee bit aggressive. I, I would be a wee bit aggressive. And this is where I get it from as well. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. People didn't believe me when I said you threatened to cut my throat. I would do more than that. I would, I would do more than that. I really literally would love to have walked into your podcast and cut your throat. You sometimes. said to me the other week that you had a dream one night. I did. did and that's the truth. <laughs> what I was the dream? Enter. Well, I dreamt that I, I, I got over to where you lived in a flat where I have never seen. Cologne, and yeah. I dreamt that you were sitting on the podcast and I just turned around the corner and I cut your throat and you died. <laughs> and that's what you, that's what <laughs> you dream about your grandson. And the shock of you seeing me killed you. And not the cutting. The throat cutting didn't get well, me in the end. It was a uh, mixture of the two, probably, wasn't it? No, I think, uh, I think the shock of seeing me and you fell to <laughs> the floor, I, I still knifed you. Oh, did you? That's right, okay. Because See, you were saying... <laughs> no... <laughs> Well, that's what I dreamt. This is what Irish grandmothers are like, for example. Kicking you when you're down. Kicking you when you're down. <laughs> right, well, on that note, we're <coughs> going to get into the actual podcast. You can go get your heart on then. And me and him are going to chat flutes. Okay. Right, thank God. you very much. And I'll tell you, thank you. <laughs> right, we'll leave it there. So, yeah, we'll leave it running. We'll do a couple of other things. She's out the back there. Is she whistling? Out? Excuse me, there's recording in process. Um, right, well, here, we didn't even talk about these, but we've got the medals here. So, first medal I want you to tell me about, or tell the viewers about. 50-year medal. Now, we just talked about this, but we're going to talk about it again. Um, you got presented with a 50-year medal from the Flute Band League in Northern Ireland in 2005. Yep. So, that means you started playing, officially started joining bands in yep. 1955. Is that correct? That'd be right, yeah. Right, but you might have played a wee bit before then. Yeah. When did you pick up the flute? When did I pick it up? Yeah, when was the first time? Because you come from a big family as well. Well, uh, when I we did come from a big family, uh, and my uh, a father who was very disciplined, you know, and, yeah, and strict, and what we done, yeah. And one night, uh, he came into the house, and my brother Angus was sitting, yeah, and I was sitting beside him, and he says, "You two boys, I could have to go in and join a band." And you have to go and do that tonight. Now, when he said a band, so, it could be different kinds of bands. Oh, as yeah. Well. Oh, yeah. They don't just have flute bands here. Well, in he, 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 he finished up by saying, Go down and join the Lisburn Pipe Band. They had a pipe band here at one time. Oh, bagpipe band, yeah. And there was also the, this wee band, the conservative band I, that I went into eventually. Yeah. Do you know where the name, sorry, Lisburn Conservative comes from? Was It's not related to the I political know, party, uh, is it, now? Right, I don't know. Conservative. Well, then you see you had Argyle Temperance. Was the, when I, I was love that. Me. That's a beautiful name. with the yeah. Temperance in it, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... So we, we both went out just to please them. Just, uh, we didn't know what we were going to do. Yeah. Didn't know what we were going to do. I said to Angus, look, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to wear no kilt. <laughs> and I said, I'm not going to go into a pipe barn. So you go where you want and I know where I go yeah. so he went down into the pipe band and I went into the pipe band that's how it started really. Yeah. and I had no interest in music whatsoever I was more interested in, at that stage of my life in football because I played for a oh. couple of teams in the you Lisburn. did actually yeah you were handy enough left winger weren't you yeah in Lisburn and I, I was more interested in that and 
the going playing a flute band was the last thing I ever wanted. So the only reason you picked flute in the end is because you didn't want to wear a kilt in a pipe band? That's right. <laughs> well, there you go. I think a kilt looks so very he, well as well. He, he Angus was very, very talented as well. He played... He played the pipes. For years, a, a yeah. Good piper, and he was also a good organist. He, everyone in the family, my mum, we had a big Irish family, as you know. Yeah. How my many mo- brothers and sisters did you have? Uh, uh, there was eight brothers and three sisters. Eight brothers and three sisters. It's like the old woman that lived in the shoe. Yeah. But my mum educated us all. Like I did, she sent them all for piano lessons and organ yeah. lessons. I didn't. She would have interest I had in music. I didn't yeah. want to do any, so I didn't go to organist or no, piano okay. lessons or anything like that. And it's by default that I get into music, really. Just by chance, then you're into playing the flute? You know, so I, uh, that's how it started. And then you went to Lisbon Conservative Flute Band, who unfortunately don't exist anymore. They right. folded after a while, that's but um, you played them for a few years, conducted them as well. I did, yeah. Yeah. How long were you in the Lisbon Conservative? I would say maybe about five years. Uh, about five years at the very most. Which is not a long time when you think of it so either. With no. band and words, people tend to stick uh, around uh, a wee bit longer. Uh, I, finished up, <laughs> I finished up with them, uh, well, they were melody, just uh, playing the B-flat flutes. I finished up uh, taking uh, the part music as well. Yeah, okay. So at the time when they joined, they were only playing single, yeah. single parts? And then I, when I took over the band, uh, still playing that, but and uh, I changed the world the part music for a few years. Okay, so it was different mm-hmm. parts of music. Instead yeah. of everyone playing the melody, yeah. split it up. Yeah, you did that. You were responsible for that. I done that. So who would have arranged the music then? Would you have done it? Yeah. Ah. But, but even when I took on uh, Roses and Ends, uh, they they were be a simple system. Okay. Wow. Um, okay, I didn't know that. So simple system. Yeah. Well, just quickly explain what that was so that was the flutes the flute bands would have used they had six, six keys, keys yeah. yeah and they were in weird keys as well so they're in like e flat and b flat and a flat BBS, old yeah. military tradition i think that came from but then you see those those flutes were becoming obsolete and getting very hard to get yeah because ronald cart made them in london yeah. and then they stopped making them for a while and then all the bands most of the bands were Changing over on the concert flutes, like the Bohm system flutes, then the Bohm system, yeah. And they suggested to him, you know, we should go down that road because you're going to find a difficult to set, get yeah. the pairs done and, and things like that. And <clears throat> they're reluctant, we're very reluctant to do that. And they said, you know, this this this, this Bohm system is very difficult to learn. And it's I said, no, it's, it's not really. Uh, it's uh, you see the advantages of it when you get the hang of it. It's much better. Off the frick's hey. He's playing them okay. through it. <laughs> You'll see the advantages of it after. Excuse me, there's a recording process here. <laughs> That's why she never took up the flute. You know, give her a couple of lessons. Huh? You know, give her a couple of lessons. So, um, so yeah, they moved to Boehm system flutes, um, which is late because, you know, the Boehm system started appearing in the early 1900s, but we didn't adopt it here That's in Northern right. Ireland until, what, the 60s? Yes, right, uh, so everyone was still playing on the old system flutes? Still playing on the old, and found it very hard to go. But, you know, this was in a period about February of the year, and when they ended up coming, they were parading out, the parading out system, yeah. you know. And I said to myself, I'm going to have a struggle here, because it could be right, it's better early yeah. stages. But they, they adapted very, very quickly to that. I suppose you, know? you do. When you really get to learn it, you will pick it up, and it's yeah. obviously much more flexible. Like, I've played some of the old system flutes, and they're hard to play. Embouchure holes are very small. They're very, yeah. they're very easy to overblow. 
I the keys stick all the time. I know, uh, you know, I remember uh, years ago uh, hearing good bands like Ballymini on Conkers were one on who maybe played the old system. They and stuck with the old system for a long time. Sounds sound a lovely sound on the platform. I think it's, it's, it's harder to sound better on the old system floats yeah. definitely the old six key ones. I hated them. I really, I'm glad we got rid of them. Yeah, some lovely sounds there. But so in Lisbon Conservative, you played there for a couple of years. That was your first mm-hmm. flute band. You're teaching yourself flute at this point then. You're not really getting any formal instruction. No, no. Just picking it up through bands, I suppose. Yep. I think a lot of my plan was like that as well and then you went on to was Rosalind Ends next yeah or was it Argyle Ar- Argyle was first Argyle so Argyle were Argyle Temperance flute band there based in the Shankle yeah Shankle Road in Belfast yep, that's right. how did you get involved with them as I said to you early back <coughs> I met a man who was a, a son-in-law played the, the flute in Argyle Jackie Lewis played the yep. flute in Argyle he contacted me to say they would like me to go down and join the Argyle Flute Band. That's it. Oh. So he brought me down, and in between times, when we were walking around the stadium, hold on, he says, I'll take you down to see a chap yeah. in the Lord Carson first. Yeah, Lord Carson was another famous band. And that, and that was my idea of band. I've seen on the road so often, they're so good. What play. was their full name? Lord Carson's Memorial. Lord Carson Memorial Flute Band. Lord Carson Memorial. And they were a great outfit on the road, you know. And on, the, on the platform, either. too, they were, they were very good. So he took me around this, and I said, as I said to you, to see a guy who was in it, who was Billy McMurray. Yeah, yeah. And as I walked through the door, Billy was down playing his piccolo solo, they ran in the poplars, as, yeah. as it yeah. turned out to be. And I was amazed. I, said, I mean, I was only about 15 this time. Yeah, yeah. And I listened to this guy playing, and I said, oh, that's, that's, that's something I'd love to do. Yeah. I'd love to play that piece, you know. It is a cracking piece as well. A lot of those piccolo pieces were great. Aye. So you always had one piccolo in the flute band that was kind of, I think it's fair to say it would have been your best player. Usually you would have stuck on piccolo, wouldn't it? Or one of your best Aye. players would have played the piccolo. The the hardest one, I, there's two or three, and I played with the ensembles. Uh, Ren the Poplars and then there was uh, Deep Blue Sea. I find it it's difficult. A piece. I find it difficult, you know. It is tricky. There's a lot of scales in it and a lot of flying up and down. Uh, and, and then I played Picaroon. Actually, I didn't play that as a, as a octet. I played that as a solo unaccompanied in Ballygarn. Totally a solo? Uh, no piano, no nothing? Yeah, and uh, Ballygarn, the small ensemble yeah. thing. That's a brave one to get up on stage and play piccolo, uh, no other instrument, just no, for the couple just, hundred people. It's, it's very exposed, you know. Oh, it isn't half, yeah. The piccolo. So I think I got second that day, and uh, lucky I got second, but I got second. And I remember it's a brave it was one. Build the bits because I got that. Yeah. So when you go to the Argyle, John Murdy's involved with them at that time. John, John Murdy was on his later stage of his uh, life, you know. He was in his 80s, you know. Because he I was still, quite a pioneer with flute bands. Still, still had a great ear for it, you know. And I remember, <clears throat> I remember uh, playing a piece one night. And I was sitting playing. I was, I, I was the youngest in the band, but I remember I, I made a mistake. And he, right away, he just stopped the band. And he looked all around, he didn't say anything. And Billy told me, his solo player beside me, he says, yeah. Put your hand up. Oh, yeah. And I said, Mr. Morley, uh, that was me. I knew, I knew that was you, son. But I wanted to save you in a minute. You make a mistake in your hand. And this band, he said, don't have me looking around to see who it was. Oh. Just put your hand up. Yeah. 
Was he I, tough I, as a conductor? Was he a was he a tough taskmaster, or was he all right? Uh, no, he he was he I say he was very subdued in his later years, but he was he was really had a great ear. Yeah, at, even at that age, you know, he was a real pioneer flute band. So I've done he a lot was, of research on him. He was, I. But it's unfortunate I was in the late stage. I remember I I wanted to go to lessons from him, and but he wouldn't do that. Because he didn't, he wouldn't. He said himself, like I would never live long enough to see how he worked out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose if he's in his late eighties, you know, yeah, he's so, a young fella. So that's why I went to Harry Gillespie after that. Another very famous player, yeah. 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 And just out of curiosity, when you're going for a flute lesson with Harry Gillespie, what are you doing? What What would he teach uh, you? It wasn't, a flute, flute, lesson? It wasn't no. a flute lesson. It was for theory. Okay, just theory then. Yes, I, I wasn't all that long with him, but he asked me to do scores for him and things like that. You oh, know? okay, so like that reading music. Ex- that was an experience. Arranging that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. oh that's very interesting. Uh, you get exposed to that at a young age, then you start getting involved. I got, in I got a lot of I got a lot of benefit from that, you know. Yeah, because it's a real education you get in the flute band saying because you do learn how to read music as opposed yeah. to Irish traditional music where you play by ear. Study a score. We do score study. We do yeah. things like that. And I I found that great. You know. And obviously, you have to study a little bit of the orchestral scores too, because when we're arranging for flute bands, yeah, we need to arrange from the orchestral scores. So you have to learn how to read yeah. orchestral scores too. Yeah, when I was conducting, I took some chances, you know, from the from the uh, original scores, and sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't. Yeah. And another another man that's uh, done the same thing was Paddy Bell. Oh, Paddy Bell. Bell! He was involved with Ravenhill. Uh, he, he was no, he was the Bally Walter. Oh, Bally Walter. Bally was a great conductor and a tremendous player. And he used to say to me, you know, Brian, you take some chances and so do I. And he, and he said, you deviate from the score quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, and he said, no, I found like myself, it works sometimes and it doesn't work. Yeah. Besides, but look at the pleasure you get when it does work. Yeah, I know it's <laughs> worth taking the risk. It was very competitive yeah, back in those days about, as well. I think, I think it's all about that, you know. Uh, put your own feelings into chance your arm yeah it yeah. was competitive though i think back in those days did you oh. could, did you go on the stage with argyle did you contest with them argyle yeah oh i played with them uh, i played uh, the year they won it uh, I was the senior so they won the senior uh, world championships world championships wow and i was i was only in my 15 or 16 years of age and they won it that year they won it that year. Yeah. Oh, you don't remember the piece though, do you? I don't. No. It was a Schubert. It was a Schubert arrangement or something. I can't remember. Oh, I know. I think I know which one you're talking about. It was. I can't remember what. For it was. a while, they did the ah uh, the song. Oh, I can't remember the name of it now. There's a song. Oh, that's a good test of my knowledge now. Forget that one. It could have been a mixture of... Uh, that sounds like one of the symphonies then. I'll have to look that up, yeah. But it was amazing that they were arranged and that kind of stuff for flute fans. One, I can't even remember the year, Gareth, to tell you the truth. But it was, uh, I have a list somewhere of all the years. I'll find that out. I was, uh, so that bun- was your first World Championship medal? I was a bundle of nerves sitting on that platform. Well, and the platform was at the Ulster Hall then, so big yeah. venue. Very famous oh, venue, I, very respected venue. The first thing, uh, I think it was maybe the first time I was on a platform plane. And seen, in the Ulster Hall in front so of a couple noti- of hundred people. First notice struck, I thought I was on my own. I know, that's actually, because they've renovated the Ulster Hall since then, they've done a bit of work on it, but pre-renovation, I always remember playing with the flute band, 
there was a couple of dead spots on the stage where you yeah. can't hear a thing and yeah. it usually tended to be where the solo concert would sit or that area yeah. if you played a note you didn't hear a thing around you I, 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 that's what i heard you know i i started to play and i said where are they all yeah you would genuinely <laughs> think you're on your own yeah i hated that that was, that was a big experience for me and one other experience was i decided to uh have a drink of water or a drink of orange or something before i went down okay and that just dried up completely Oh. And it took me, you know, a few seconds to get back into the plane. Really, well, there was a few know. dodgy traditions beforehand. I think yeah. you were probably one of the few players who was only drinking water or orange uh, juice beforehand. Because uh, I remember a few of the days, like even the really good bands, a few of those players would have had a few pints before they went on. Yeah. And they would have done all right as well. Yeah. Those days are... <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry to the audio listeners there. Um, yeah, so you played in the Argyle. You stayed there. You conducted the Argyle as well yeah. for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Then you left, and you stopped the flute for a wee while. I did, I did, and then uh, Hunter Moore came on. I think after that was was, and I hadn't, I hadn't been. The Rose and the Ends would have been first, I think. Uh, Rose and the Ends, that's yeah, oh, the eighties, then seventies, eighties. I know you've had that many bands, yeah. yeah. So I can't imagine you stopping the flute. How long did you stop the flute for? So you stopped it, remember, for a year? I did, yeah. I stopped it for a year. I hated it remember at that point. That's about 14. That? I gave up and then for you came back with Avengers. I did, I, yeah. I, you know, the time you stopped, I said, what's wrong with Gareth? You know, because he's doing so well. Beer and girls, yeah. But I stopped for about a year. And then, yeah, I think it, you're right. Yeah, you stop for a year and you miss it. I'm uh, glad I did stop. I properly stopped as well. I didn't yeah. touch the fruit for a year. didn't go to music yeah. lessons. didn't go to anything. And then I well, came back to it stronger. Yeah. I, I, it's that age. It's like 14, 15. Everyone sort of... I, I just... Uh, stop for a while you know to get a rest I think away yeah. from it. and then as I said back into it again and then Off yourself, the ends, yeah. uh, took it more serious you know yeah well you went to Rose and Ends we've talked about this so for anyone listening that hasn't listened to the episode on flute bands I would recommend listening to that before this to get all the lingo and all the terms of it but Rose and Ends were not a senior band they no. were much lower down they were a junior band you know? yeah so they weren't like one of the better bands in the country to say well, the no but they used to be a great band at one time, I believe. I don't, I know before my time and bands, but they were a good band at one stage. Okay. But they weren't never in the top grade, you know. Yeah, they never got to that level. No, yeah. No. And I didn't get to that. But then, so they, the bands, they'll have their world championships, which are normally like October, November time. Yeah. You have a couple of other ones throughout the year, but one of the big ones, which is where these medals are from, is the solos and small ensembles. Yeah. So that's a competition over two Saturdays. I think it's only one Saturday now. Um, in April where your band can submit players for different categories in solos or small ensembles and yeah. you represent your band and you get points for how you do in each section so there's age categories under 10 under 13 under 16 open and you can get it on the concert flute you can do duet section there's a quartet section I think there's an octet is the highest it goes uh, yeah there's an octet as well and then yeah so you can send your yeah. band to that and you guys at Roseland Ends then you also had percussion in that as well percussion as well that's right um, so at Roseland Ends you weren't a competition band but for the solos and small ensembles yeah. you just cleaned up you know, you've done, done very well on it yes very successful you know uh, we came out after the competition over the two weeks, yeah, uh, there was a award appointed for the band that received the most points. Yeah, for like how uh, successfully in the different categories we, you got points. We, yeah. we had that. We won that. We were in that position for four years in a row, which is incredible because you were up against 
the likes of Ballyclare Victoria, Ballygonan, <coughs> the big names of the football world. Yeah, that that was uh, that's made it most exciting and most challenging for me to do. And uh, more more I seen of this, the more I wanted to do it. Was a small band like I had, and just a hadn't got the nucleus of good big players at yeah. least the senior bands had about it. They were able to pick out the eight players to do all this and and it was very rewarding and I found I found it very nice to know that there were senior bands in there and you can, we were as good as But like you were. must have had to drill them because like the solos and small ensembles, if you're talking like eight players, like when I did it when I was younger I was in every section. Like on the yeah. Saturday, I was playing about seven times. I would have done the duet, yeah. the quartet, because you got points just for entering. So yeah. we would have been pushed just to enter <laughs> to get something together. But the week before, we were in this kitchen, I don't know how many times, yeah, with <laughs> pages of music and people coming in and out the doors. You go, are you doing the trio? Are you doing the duet? Right. Go start practicing. Right. And you just got it together. But for you guys to do it at that level, you must have done some rehearsing. Yeah, well, I, you know, I found, I found it good from a point of view for myself as well as I was involved not as conducting really as, as playing with them yeah I, I organising more yeah I played and, and I found that a benefit because when you're sitting in there playing uh, yourself with it, you can hear everything going on in there yeah, yeah. You and you know, you know the, the abilities of the each player and you try to sort things out so you stuck it I'm assuming then you would have got rehearsing early before these ensembles and you would have really took it seriously then that uh-huh. was your big part of the year big yeah. point of the year was to it was a highlight of the year really for us yeah. you know and, and uh, as I say, we we were very successful, and, and uh, the the people that had worked with were committed as, as well. Because we had, as you say, a lot of work going on in here, and a lot of work going on in other houses, and out in Bondi, where yeah. Rosalinda is, you know. Yeah. So it, it was it was commitment about the success more than anything else. Which is incredible because again, it's such a small small band's probably doing them a disservice to say that, but. They are a smaller band. Yeah, and uh, you know the catchment area is small out right there. It's hardly. Yeah, well, we were saying this. So Roses and Ends is we can't even call it a village. Really, it's a, a hamlet, maybe a you best. Wouldn't, you wouldn't know it's anything really. It's just it's just a nice, lovely wee place to drive through and to say there's a bicycle shop and uh, and a post office. Uh, and a post office, I think, and that was it. And that's it. So it's just in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. out in the outskirts exactly. of Lisburn. Exactly. There's but not the, much to it but at all. There's, there's a lot of families, uh, you know. How many people do you reckon would live and there? Rosalind was built up of those families in that area. It, was, it is all one or two families, isn't it? The Yars and the Fars and the Tottens. Tottens. Yeah. You know, all those people were really uh, into music. French and Richard the Wilsons, Yars, yeah. works with the BBC. Yes, yes, that's right. And uh, Robert Yar was an organist and things like that. That's right, yeah. He, he, was, still, he, he was a great player as well in the band. I just I? find it incredible that you guys were able to compete with those big senior bands, uh-huh. being such a small band. But then after that, you did go to your senior band. You went to Ballygown after that then? Went to Ballygown. And, uh, now, up to this point, sorry, just for context, Ballygown, had they won a world championship before you took them on as conductor? No, not the main always. No. no. Uh, they you know, they, they admitted that themselves when they asked me to take them on. Uh, they interviewed me in the White Gables Hotel. So you got interviewed for the job of conductor? <laughs> uh, just because, uh, you know, they were looking at someone, tried to lift them out of the, the, the bottom rung where they were, maybe. Uh, and Get seeing the, the success that I've had with, with Rosalind and the small ensemble yeah. and things, I said, but was just this man can maybe help us, you know? Yeah. So they interviewed me up in, in the White Gables and... Um, uh, I said to him, you know, uh, you're a senior band. I had never taught a senior band before. And they said, well, 
and laughed, you know, we're not a senior band. Yeah, we're just about keeping in the sex. Mm. Yeah, we're going to put it to you, should we step down and, and, and go to the junior? And, and, and the media section. So I'd rather you wouldn't do that. That's, yeah. that's the sign of defeat right away. It is, yeah. Uh, I'd rather you stay there and work hard with me. And, and uh, if you work hard with me, I promise you, I'll make you world champions in five years. Which is a, that's a big statement, yeah. Which, and then I said, what did I say for? Yeah. <laughs> well, it got you the job anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we took them on anyway, and, you know, success wasn't immediate. It took a, quite a wee while, but we had wee minor successes along the way in the five yeah. years of knocking at the door and things like that. And then we were going really well. I remember... Uh, it was on Black Day, I think I was walking Ballymena or Ballyclare, the Black was out, and I was walking along with John Dawson, a member of the band, and turned and said, Man, you made, a, you made us a promise. Aye, that you get <laughs> I it. I said, what was that, John? He said, you said you'd have us world champions in five years. <laughs> this is the fifth year. So, this is on August, your bike. <laughs> this is August, and the competition's in November. What yeah. are we going to do? And? <laughs> I says, well, I promise you. I was trying to commit that. And you did? That commitment. You did, didn't you? It was fifth year. Well, yeah. uh, I have to put it this way. The championship, I, about three weeks before, I had the band working well for the championship, maybe two weeks, I'm not sure. Yeah. And then I left. Okay. Right. And Why uh, did you leave? Well, it's, uh, I just, uh, I thought the band wanted to go in our direction. And okay. I'm not sure about that, but okay. uh, I left anyway, and uh, it was taken over Richard Highlands. Ah, took him on. Obviously, some kind of relation to Windsor Highlands. Are you called Windsor? Oh, Windsor. You're talking Windsor about Windsor Highlands. Sorry. Okay. I remember him saying to me, you know, in the for the bar Madonna in Ulster Hall. I I was walking through just with uh, somebody, and he called me back. Said, Ben, why did you do that? Why did you leave? He says, means. Uh, I'm only taking them on what what, what you've done. Yeah. I said, well, that's Windsor. It's all right. I'm just all the best. Yeah. So they're on a one. You know, Windsor's put a lot of And they did win that year, yeah. Which, we were talking about it, so that kind of era was Ballygown. Ballygown now are such a famous band. They're the they're the superstars one, of the band one, world. One of the very best. But it started then, but at that time, the big stars of the band world, and probably the greatest band, arguably of all time, would be Ballyclare Victoria under... Artie Fleming up that point yeah. that was the band which you give them a run for their money at least then yeah. you would have had them on their toes in between you and Arthur Fleming there was a bit of a battle for a few years in the senior yeah. championship between Ballyclare and Ballygowan and yourself and Arthur to but, but I remember I remember we uh, I think it was a, I, a piece was the Turk and Italy was it or we were mm-hmm. second at Ballyclare were first but I remember they had a present, prize presentation yeah uh, some hotel in Belfast and um, I came to the adjudication I came to the uh, interpretation yeah. prize you know yeah and they called it an examiner called I don't know how to make this decision but he says there was two conductors and I must say I think the two conductors of this have put in the same room for six weeks <laughs> yeah he said because their, their interpretation was nearly identical yeah and it was Artie and myself, yeah. Ballyclare, you know, yeah. and myself. And so I shared that, Artie and I. That Which is a great compliment to be compared to Arthur Fleming, because 
he was a great conductor ah, he, he was and he was uh, you know, arguably the best maybe or one of the best of all time for flute bands arguably the best you know. yeah I would say so to be honest you know great you know it's it just the band the band the band was on all the time and you know sad to do that yeah it happened and you're right like we I've heard recordings of Arthur Fleming's Ballyclare and the tuning the intonation yeah. is impeccable it's which for 30 odd flutes is not easy going yeah that was a, that was back in, in the time that I was going through. Now now you know the bands, the two bands are really straight. You got to give credit, Gareth, to every band who's on that platform. Every you do, band is because there's a lot of work and dedication. Obviously, yeah. no one's being paid for it either. They're exactly. all doing it. But there's there's the Barry Garner and there's the uh, Barry Barry Clare. No, Barry Lone at the minute. It's a Barry Garner, Barry Lone, and those two. Are but yeah, at the minute they're really vying for the top spot. Tremendous playing from both bands. I've listened to. I've watched them a few times. Yeah, it's hard to put something between uh, them. It's, it really is, you know, and it's all it's all good to do with the commitment that they have. It is, yeah. To get there, because uh, it's not just quality of players. Like good players helps, obviously, but I think it's making sure you're rehearsing regularly yeah. that everyone's turning. Like yeah. when I played in bands, I rem- I used to hate it when I played in bands. Yeah. So when I played under Glenn obviously Glenn conducted Kellswater and then Ballyclare and when I was a teenager we rehearsed every Tuesday and Thursday for a while up to the contest and I was never allowed to miss it Tuesday night was Champions League night the football was always on and every time Chelsea were playing in it he was like you cannot miss it I have missed so many big football matches because I was never allowed to miss one rehearsal but isn't it great to sit sit inside a big band like that everybody's so rehearsed and you're all pulling for the same thing and you're working together and you're you're afraid even to make a slight mistake you know the tension (laughs) oh my goodness like Glenn well I'll ask you about him in a minute but as a conductor he was he was a brilliant conductor and he really got people on side but he was terrifying like I I was very scared of playing a wrong note with him. Thank you, thank I wasn't. I know, and he's your son, yeah. Who was, was Arthur Fleming a tough conductor, do you reckon, or was he, do you reckon he was tough with his bands? Artie? Yeah. Yeah, Artie, I'd say, you know, gentleman, you know, and I... I, Because I've met him, he's a very sweet man, and you wouldn't imagine him being a disciplinarian. Uh, And I have never, I've spoken, I've never been with Ballyclare boys, but none of them have spoken, in any other way. Yeah than that you know he could shape the music like nobody could you know I know he was an incredible conductor I'll, I'll try and dig out some recordings see if I can put them online of the Arthur Fleming era yeah. obviously a lot of people are recognising Ian Fleming because his son Colin was principal foot of the Ulster uh, Orchestra for many years up until last year I think Colin retired um, still I think Colin I believe he's playing with Ballyclare he is yeah um, so a great tradition up there of flute banding but the thing I always find fascinating with your career is you've took on a load of different bands. You took on Ballygown. You went to the very top, but you never went back to the top level senior bands. You were never tempted to go back to the, no. never tempted to go for another senior band and go for another world championship. No, I wouldn't have that. Things have progressed so much now with the bands and the instrumentation and everything else. Yeah, <clears throat> I've lost contact with most of that. You know, you reckon? I'm yeah, sure you've been approached by uh, bands you, over the years. You, you would get into it okay, but uh, the instrumentation and all, and uh, it was quite basic when yeah. I was, was taking them, you know. Uh, not, not only alone that, but uh, the time comes when you say to yourself, I've done that. Yeah. 
Uh, I still have love, love the interesting the flute bands. I love going down to listen. I love teaching what I'm doing. I love taking the flute orchestra. I want to bring it on, do what I'm doing. And but you couldn't be tempted out of retirement for a senior band for one last go. I know uh, one of the bands rang you up and said, "Listen, just for one contest, when you come back, I'd take the baton up." I probably would, you know. Would you? I probably no. would. I, uh, I enjoyed it so much. Uh, I enjoy. I used to go on the platform and uh, say to myself, when, when even when Glenn heard the band, I knew they were properly rehearsed. Yeah. And I used to go on and say, to myself, right, there's nobody going to beat us here if we, yeah. play, if we play this the way we play. And I was so confident yeah. about that. And it's a nice feeling, you know. It is. It is. To feel that you're, you're, you've done the job, you've rehearsed properly, and now let's... And now let's go and enjoy it to an extent. Yeah. It's so, hard to enjoy it though, like the nerves I got playing those band competitions. Uh, because big rooms as well everyone's playing the same piece so there is a competitive aspect yeah. you know a wrong note is going to let you down you're going to lose with a wrong note or two uh, you have to be very on your game did you have any just i'm thinking do you have any pre-performance like rituals or anything you would have done or anything you would have been careful of or any superstitions oh no 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 you wouldn't have been like that because there was a few in bands i know that a couple of bands had a few superstitions but yeah. you wouldn't have had any no nothing like that no no players that would have had any no, 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 no one ever got suspicious or you know had to eat certain things or play no. be at a certain time or wear a certain thing or no, everyone just rocked up. No, well, that's very impressive. Never had anything like that. No, well, I suppose now we're talking about bands. It is a shame to see the flute bands. I'd say over the last certainly the last 10 to 15 years, the, the membership numbers have went down, oh, wow. the support dudes went down compared to like the heyday. You're talking in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, you would have had a full Ulster Hall. Full attendance is the bands and all they know that's great. You know, so how like on even in the world championships, how many people are we talking? Um, how many bands would have played in the senior section, for example? Well, when when I was at the very early stages, when I was uh, involved in the bands, it was there was twelve in the senior section. So that's twelve in just the senior section. And there used to be eight or nine in the intermediate. So like that's a good twenty-one bands already. Oh yeah, it was great. With you know twenty to thirty flutes each. Yeah. And a handful of percussion. And it just disappeared like that, you know. So. And you know, Northern Ireland's a small country to get all those bands uh -huh. together playing to that uh -huh. level. And it was it was great to be in uh, involved in those days too, because I can you can imagine all the band rooms in Northern Ireland on a certain night all going to get practicing. Yeah, Ireland. yeah. Um, I want to talk again about Jimmy. So James Galway, obviously played in foot bands, but he played with the thirty ninth. And Billy Dunwoody was his. Yeah, but that thirty nights like a training ground. They're a funny band, aren't they? Because I don't know if we call uh, them. There's sure. a feeling. I I don't even know if I would call them. I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but I don't know if I call them a flute band in that sense. No, they were almost like an academy. But I do remember them on parade. Did they parade? Oh yeah, years ago, I remember. I particular one parade to uh, Hill Hall. It was for, in Lisburn. In Lisburn, ah. yeah. And they wore this uh, like a dark maroon jackets. I remember them as well. Oh, they had a uniform on as well. And they, they did. They did appear in the road quite often, like. Because I so the thirty ninth old boys fruit band. I never knew them. I don't think they ever contested, did uh, they? And they're good. Uh, they're very good uh, on the platform when they did. They did. did they? You know, yeah. They did a lot of concerts. I think they did a lot of yeah. charity stuff and a lot yeah. of fundraisers and. And they were good. They were good 
seemed to be like a great training ground for. A good I don't know what there was going on over there, but yeah, like obviously Jimmy played with him, Jimmy Galway, but there was you know, Gary Arbuthnot, right. Ashley Agnew, Gareth McLaren. They've all came from the thirty nine. Some great players come out. They just there, churned you know? out great flute players year after year. I, I remember in the solo ensembles and things, a lot of players come out of there from. 39th ballroom, yeah. you know. Did you ever yeah. get to know Billy, Billy Dunwoody? I, I knew Billy well. Yeah. Young Billy, uh, I yeah. knew the start as well. Young Billy was great, you know. Yeah. He's a real character from what I, I hear as well. Character. I remember one time he rang me up to see if I'd play, uh, it was a Christmas thing in a church or somewhere, and he rang me to see what I would help him out. Yeah. And I said, oh, of course. So I ran down and I did what is playing <laughs> but he came in the last minute he's yeah. always sort of last minute but yeah, I've a, heard, a, yeah. a real great guy and I, I said but I, uh, wh what am I playing here yeah. I said so he's like a like a, a Marks and Spencer's bag or something like, like that. a plastic said, bag pick something out of that and away you go <laughs> and the whole congregation it was is, just take something and go he's a character like, but he's uh, he a real enthusiast you know yeah. yeah I know well to be fair it's incredible um and obviously, yeah, he was very responsible for great players. Yeah. You came across Jimmy, Jimmy Galway then. You would have seen him or known of him when you were younger, I'm assuming. Was he making, was there talk about him in the flute band circles when you were a teenager? Like, oh, you have to hear this fella Jimmy down in Belfast? There wasn't a lot of talk on those stages because uh, I, I, the first time I ever met him was when his father brought him down to see John Morty about. I don't know what it was for. I was only in the band at the time. And he came down, uh, very young fella. Yeah. Very slim and I very big thin fella. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, and his dad was with him and he had his reflute box and they had a conversation with uh, John Murray and, and introduced him to the band and yeah. all, you know. So at this point he wasn't well known then, nobody No, he, I think he was just uh, back in in trailer, you know. Okay. Yeah, he was, he was a university or a college over in England somewhere. Uh yeah, he, he was there actually away at his home at that wee period in time he is. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I guess. But that's the last I seen him, and yeah, and then uh, all of a sudden he became famous. <laughs> yeah, he became Jimmy Galway. Yeah, that's right. Because he played with flute bands, but he, he obviously played with the Thirty Ninth, who weren't really a band that he would have performed very often. And then also, at such a young age, he went off to London uh, to study at the Royal College of Music or Royal Academy, I think he went to or Guildhall, whatever. And that was it. He was away. But you were telling me, which I cannot believe still is so the solos and small ensembles competition we're talking about. Jimmy Galway came back to judge it. I think he won that day too with the quartet that I had. I just remember now. Oh, he's won? <laughs> so Jimmy would have came back, because obviously you re redoing all of this, but um, Jimmy would have came back, probably would have been in the London Symphony Orchestra at this time, would have been principal uh, through the London Symphony. He came back to judge a small local flute band right. solo competition. That's right. Like, and... I'm saying he probably wouldn't have got paid for it either. If he did, he wouldn't have got paid oh, much. I don't think he would have got paid for it. You know, it would have just been a great privilege for him, for the flute band to have him there. To you have know the I mean? best flute player in the world coming over to judge. That's yeah. incredible. He uh, he came in that day. Actually, the week before that, there was, was a second week of the competition. Uh, the week before that, I had the quartet in. Oh, we were second, I think, with it. But they had the same piece the next week. Okay. Right. Okay. I'm a one under him. Yeah. But the uh, at the end of, at the end of his adjudication and the results now come out. Uh, got the stand ovation and then yeah. somebody shouts a lot of them shouted rather. Jimmy, give it to me uh, number. <laughs> well, you have to get Jimmy Galway to play for you, oh, don't you? So he had no flute with him on the 
Batherman at that point. Probably didn't trust um, to bring his gold food no, no. back to Belfast. <laughs> so there's a wee couple of wee girls sitting in the front row there, and he said, Let me your flute, love. And he took it up and he started out of God, and he seen the elastic band on the oh, end. Oh, God, I remember that. Yeah. But he, he, he footed with it with a wee bit, and he started to play it. He, it was some of the variations from the Carnival of Venice. Oh, I know it well, yeah. And I tell you, Gareth, I never heard a sound like it, even in those. And that, even on a wee banged up student flute yep, in yeah, a cold hall in Ballygown. It just filled the whole room. Yeah. Amazing. I was, I was amazed. I know. He is an incredible player, we were saying. The greatest, the greatest player I've ever, ever heard. I do think part of it, because obviously he has a very unique sound, a very unique way of playing the flute. Yeah, well, he's more colours to his music as, as playing yeah. as well as anybody. But it's one of the few flute players you can listen to and go straight away, that's Jimmy. We know yeah. that's Jimmy. You straight away. Right away. And I do think a little bit of that is responsible because of flute bands. Like Flute bands are responsible uh, for that to an yeah. extent because the well, nature of the style of playing. They kind of model themselves on the style and it's playing and it's yeah. on his tone and it's... It's, it's a lovely sound well we feed back into it as well so we were saying like I think it's responsible in a bit in a small part to why Jimmy plays the way he does is because when you play in a flute band for example you have to play you have to yeah. play loud yeah. all the time because yeah. you're playing an orchestral score it reads for flutes yeah. it's not really like this American or English tradition of flute choirs yeah. it's not like that flute bands are much more hardcore they're much heavier bigger sounds there's a great learning in, in flute bands you yeah know? if you get in there it's a great learning and but the sound you can get from as well you can get in that sound and as you say you know your first time a lot of people in the bands even today you know model ourselves on the sound that Galway has yeah so we fed back into that then Jimmy got yeah. famous and we all went we loved that sound you know, and we copied it's, it it's good Irish sound a good you know, it is, it's a very Northern Irish uh, way unique, of playing. A unique sound, and nobody else has that. Like in the modern world, like I think when I was growing up, the flute players we would have been watching in the band scene would have been the likes of Glenn, uh-huh. uh, Richard Douglas, Darren Canmore, Robbie Moffat to an extent All as well. Players, yeah. And they, you can hear Jimmy in their playing. Can, you can yeah. hear that link. Yes. Uh, um, uh, I don't uh, think I have it as much in my playing, but I think those lads definitely did. Which I find fascinating because Jimmy picked it up from flute bands and then he gave it back to flute bands Aye. and they've picked it up that way. But I always felt like that was a thing about bands is like you, you watch bands on the road as well. What makes a great band when they're parading is all the players playing. You can make a small band of like 10 players sound like 50 oh, yes, of course. if they're good enough players. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I, I remember one time I, when I was teaching uh, Rosalind's, I had maybe only 20 flutes got there. Yeah. And we're going through Ballet Clare and Black Black Day one day, and there's already Fleming. Yeah. I, I seen already going on the way up, stand watch, and then I'm coming down the stand. They called me over. And I said, Where did you get that sound from? For a small band I got it. She said, A really big, you know. Yeah. And I said, Early, no difference between that and somebody going out with 30 or 40 flutes. Say, so All them guys are never miss a note. So yeah. They're old and they're playing their hearts out yeah because I know they're a small band yes you have to when be sure when you go to a senior band and I was one of the culprits say everybody knows I, I have to take a break here or a breath and it was always away yeah you used to play on here. yeah and, and that's it I was the boy I was knackered when I did parading I was knackered because you'd be walking for miles and you'd be playing all the time loud the whole way through Aye. and it's not like the American system again because you're walking down like wee country roads right. in the middle of nowhere up and down hills past that's fields right. through that's people's right. back gardens yeah. and all half the time it is rough sometimes getting that sound out of it well, well Rosalind Ends had a good 
playing ability on the road. You know, they were all, they were all, when they were when they were in good form and maybe up to twenty four flights or really good on the road. Yeah, and, you know, brilliant. Um, so that's adorable for your, your hairdresser. But we'll wrap up here in a few minutes. What else I want to ask you? But yeah, do you have just out of curiosity? Do you have a favorite ever piece that you've played in the flute band? Anything you've ever played that you thought worked particularly well for a flute band? Because I know I was always brought up on a strict diet of Rossini, Von Suppe, all those kind of Italian overtures. Uh, I, I do like one particular overture, I think it's a lovely saying, the Sicilian Vespers. Sicilian Vespers, that's a flute band classic. I really like that piece, you know. It's lovely I stick theme. a recording of that in, yeah, for There's everybody. A lovely theme tune, a lovely theme tune, the melody. You know, yeah. It's really, it's really neat. I love that piece. I have to stick that in for and the listeners. And the other one I like was the, uh, the, the overture, the Silk and Ladder. Silk and Ladder Rossini. Uh, oh, there's a devil of a piccolo uh, part in that as well. Uh, yeah, I like that. I'll put some of that in, just let the listeners hear what a flute band sounds like, you know. Uh, um, so the last thing, two things you know, I want to talk about. So I, you know, the music in flute bands play is all very listenable. It is, very melodic. We love, like, the romantic yeah, era, yeah. you know, all that classical romantic I love, I love going down there to the uh, own choice to listen to, because I know there's some great music and on there and some great playing from all the bands. And I, I spend my whole day down there just never go out of my seat. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Because, <laughs> again, yeah, we don't, we don't tend to do baroque stuff either, or it's always just tunes. You that's want right. a great melody. That's a yeah. cheesy melody. We love all that romantic, that's right. operatic stuff, operatic fantasy. I love yeah. all that. I think that's where my taste for it comes from. So, yeah, the last thing, um, you're not conducting the band now, but you have got the Lisbon Flute Orchestra. Yep. So we've talked a little bit about that because there was a bit of a movement, I'd say about 15 years ago, where the Scottish bands, I'm thinking of people like Carluke Primrose, they changed their name to Orchestral Flutes yep. as a way from flute band. It is purely just a name change. It didn't really mean anything yeah. else, but I think changing the name opens because the word flute band unfortunately has certain connotations. I think a lot of people would view it as, oh, flute bands are only for Protestants. Oh, no. So that's why changing the name might just open up the door because that's all you ever do. You change the name and people are into it. Uh -huh. But you've got the Lisbon Flute Orchestra. Um, tell us about that. What is the Lisbon Flute Orchestra? Well, we, we started this back uh, when Glenn had it, first of all, that was a community thing as well. Yeah. All aspects of the community didn't care what you were. Yeah. Uh, and then with his business as the way it was, getting building up at home, we hadn't time to do it. Yeah. So it, it more or less uh, faded away. And then about uh, a year ago, some of the members that were in at that time asked me, could I take it back on again? Yeah. And I took it on the same basis. Yeah. Uh, community, if anybody wants to come Catholic, in. Protestant, everyone's welcome. And, and purely for uh, uh, no monetary value to anybody. Yeah, yeah. It's to do with uh, charities. Yeah. And I put to each Yeah, so one. every concert you raise money for a charity then. Yeah, and I say to each, all the members now, if anybody here has a charity, let me know now so we'll work towards it. Uh, yeah. Say for Christmas or sometime. Yeah. I'm going to play the appropriate music for that. And, I and you arrange the music as well I, then? I arrange the music as well. And we've done that uh, this year and now we intend to carry on that through the summer yeah. with different music uh -huh. uh, into homes and things like that. Yeah, so old folks' homes and yeah. Yeah. And some it's essentially sound, like everything apart from the name sounds like a flute band. It's running yeah, the same yeah. way. Yeah, same kind of music, same, same ethos. Teaching, same teaching. Yeah. Same, same thing looking for the bigger sound. Yeah. You know? 
just you know I mean? changing the name to make it's sure it's accessible. That's correct. That's great. And yeah, last thing. Sorry, there's a. I don't think the cameras or the audio will pick this up, but she's getting her hair done. <laughs> um, the future of flute bands. So we're in a bit of a. I wouldn't say a dark place with flute bands, but we're not in the best spot we've ever been in with the flute bands. What do you think? What do you think the future of flute bands is, and do you think it'll get better? Hopefully, hopefully it will. Uh, I can see that the flute band situation will be here for a long, long time. You don't think they're going anywhere, no? We we we, we don't. There's no sign of it uh, going any further below where uh, we I are. can't really go lower, can it? Uh, but I do think they're, they're an upward trend for the building to have more bands out yeah. in there. I can see that happening when you go down. Maybe four years ago when I went down to the health centre here to see the are they civic centre, yeah, civic centre to see. I was a wee bit worried, but since then I've seen a build up. Okay. So hopefully we get back. We're back on the cycle then, yeah. Because again, I think the fruit bands have so much to offer, especially those kind of fruit bands, because you can learn an instrument for free. Yeah. You got a learner's class, you don't have to pay any money to it. Anyone, yeah, yeah. all kids can just be sent along on a Wednesday and, and you come along on the flute. I mean to say, there is a learning and playing in the flute band. And it's, you know, again, it's proven the pedigree of like the amount of Northern Irish flute players that come out of Northern Ireland. We don't have a conservatoire, we only have one professional yeah. orchestra, we don't have professional musicians here, but they go on to play to an incredibly high yeah. level because of this flute band tradition it's yeah. constantly churning out yeah. great education music theory lessons everything all free that's right i think it's got a great role to serve in the community still but yeah sometimes the flute band league don't always cover themselves in glory sometimes i think i think there's sometimes a small hesitation to adapt or to yeah. modernize in certain ways which it, I would love to see but apart from that it was on a low way up and all even even when the covid came in there i said well this could be better the wreck of everything. I know. thought COVID was going to kill them but, off, to be honest. Delighted to see after that everything started off back up again. Well, they're the perfect thing thought. for post-COVID, aren't they? Like People want to get back out. They want to make friends. They don't right. want to spend money because they're skint. This is the perfect thing. And it was really nice to see everybody back to doing what they were doing formally. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I'm glad to see food bands on mm-hmm. some kind of way up. I hope that this podcast opens people's eyes to it. If you're listening to it, please go check out the bands. Mm-hmm. Um which bands have we talked about today? Ballygowan Fruit Band, Ballyclare Victoria, all the other bands. You've got a conductor, Gahard, Ballygowan, Ballyloan. There's the. Hundermere. I don't know how many bands there are, yeah. Roses Linens, one of my personal favourites. And then uh, Kellswater, I played with. Um, go check them all out. Fruit Band League. I don't think they're really on I, social I, media, but I hope they are. I just, I was just. Uh, happy to feel part of all those bands it is a privilege it is a privilege there's been some great bands over the year well we're going to wrap this up here then Uh, that's yeah we've done quite a lot of recording so thank you very much everyone for tuning in thank you for coming on the podcast it was very appreciated thank you guys Um, I'm sure this won't be the last time I'll try and get I'm trying to rope Glenn in as well (laughs) to come in on with us if he's not too busy but yeah here's so many more of these thank you very much thank you guys